Well, good morning. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. Uh, morning, John. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, it is great to have people here as we gather together on this first Sunday of Advent to seek and engage with the living God. Uh, will you please join me as I pray? Dear God, we give you great thanks for your presence and for this day. God, I thank you that we can be together, for there is something, there's something different about the way you speak when we are gathered together, that you can speak to us certainly as individuals, but when you speak to us collectively, there's something different. So I pray you would open not just our individual hearts and minds, but our communal hearts and minds, our together hearts and minds, that we would hear you as a united people. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as Rich mentioned in the announcements, we are entering the season of Advent, and I have to tell you that I absolutely love this time of year. It's my favorite time of year, and for those of you who know me, it is true that it has something to do with the weather, um, that even though uh, Rich and I share and are very proud of our Italian heritage, um, I also have an equal amount of Nordic blood in my genes, and so not only am I comfortable with low temperatures, I love them. I love the rain, the wet, the gray. I love all of it, the whole package. You sit me out on a cold rock in the middle of the ocean somewhere, and I am in my happy place by myself. <laughs> um, but, right, because no one else, I don't find many people that like that. But I've also always loved Christmas. Santa Claus, trees, decorations, parties, food, family, expectation, wonder, dreaming, all of it. I always get caught up in it. And I feel like there are some people that that is true for also, but I also know that this is a hard time of year for us as human beings. It's a time of contrasting emotions. We're eager and frazzled, sentimental and indifferent. One moment we're really excited about getting together with our family and friends, and the next we feel utterly alone. Our hope is mingled with dread, our anticipation often with despair. We sense a deeper meaning of the season, but we kind of grasp at it and feel like we come up empty-handed. And at the end of it all, this craziness, we can be frustrated and drained. And so I have found it equally important to help my enjoyment of this time has been entering into this rhythm of remembering Christ's advent. And our church for many years has celebrated the season of Advent, which is the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas. And more recently, we've been celebrating the season that follows that called Christmas Tide, which is the 12 days after Christmas. That song, the 12 days of Christmas, that's where we get that from. And for me, they have become a reorienting point. As our church has been moving in some of these different rhythms in the church calendar over the years, I find that my own internal clock has adjusted, and I don't start to sense it's Advent or Christmas time because I see ads or hear certain songs, but I sense it because my own person is gearing up towards it. There's this rhythm every year that there's this reorienting place, this reorienting spot, and so my heart turns at this time of the year because of this new rhythm. And I have to tell you that there's something unique about it for me, too, because although, if you know me, you know I'm very excited about the Trinity, love to talk about the Trinity, I love all the members of the Trinity, I find that something moves differently in my heart when we start talking about Jesus. And not just Jesus, but pre-resurrection Jesus. And again, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love and follow Jesus as a whole person, pre- and post-resurrection, everything before and after and in between. 
But there's something that moves my heart when I think about Jesus as a human dealing and navigating through the very things that we do. Both succeeding in life and failing. There's something in the Jesus that may have wrestled with his brothers. Something in the Jesus that may have had a crush on someone or burped at the dinner table. Maybe he fell down and skinned his knee, and for sure he needed the comfort and guidance and leadership and love of his parents. And at the same time, went into the temple at the age of 12, proclaiming, where else do you think I would be but in my father's house? And at the sort of the start of all that, there's this part of this story that we're all probably fairly familiar with, that this thing about Jesus being born into a manger into a stable and in this manger it basically looks like a really poorly poured concrete box Uh, it was made out of mud and dirt and crafted together in this kind of box-like shape and it is really nothing to be excited about and we call this event that Jesus came became one of us was born into this space and rested in this box the incarnation it's where God gave up his place and the status in the heavenly realms to lovingly become one of us. To enter into our world so that our Savior would be one of us. Would be able to lead us as someone who has gone through the things that we've gone through. He celebrated and enjoyed a good meal with friends. And has mourned, cried, and wept with them also. And so this word Advent given to this season describes the advent of Jesus Christ. It's his coming into view. It's his being in place. It's his arrival into our world. And so you can imagine that this season probably has a lot to say. A lot to say to our world, a lot to say to our church, and a lot to say each one of us. And we have chosen five words or phrases to represent some of the voices that would speak to us out of this season. These words or phrases are keep watch, prepare, magnify, fear not. And those are going to be the Sundays of Advent that lead up to Christmas, and then uh, on Christmas Eve is going to be the last gathering that we have to celebrate Advent, and that one's going to be uh, keyed off of the, the word go. And so we have, we're hoping that these uh, words and phrases are going to invite us into a new understanding of Advent, but also going to be encouragement to us to remember the incarnation of Jesus Christ as we go through this season. And this morning, we're going to be attending to the voice of Advent, inviting us to keep watch. And what I want to do is I want to figure out what it means to keep watch, but also what are we supposed to keeping watch over? What are we watching for? And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. We're going to have the verses up here on the screen uh, behind me. I also want to let you know that in your bullets, and there's some blank space there for you to take notes if you want, and also uh, draw pictures or whatever it is you need to do that helps you stay engaged. And so here we go, Luke 2, 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Have you ever been put in charge of something? Maybe you were uh, house-sitting for someone while they were gone, or you were watching someone's kids while they had a night out. Maybe your younger sibling. Maybe you were given the task of delivering something, a message or an object, some information. And sometimes it doesn't go as you planned. Right? I remember being 12 and my parents saying, Hey, can you watch your brother and this friend of yours? We're going to go up the street about two blocks away for about an hour, hour and a half. And I was like, Absolutely, I can. What are you kidding? Do you know me? I can do anything. Because um, that's what I thought when I was 12. Uh, they came home about an hour and a half later and found... Uh, My brother and I and this friend of ours in the family room, we had tipped the couch over. So the couch, you know, if you sit down this way, we had tipped it back. And we all had BB guns trained on the door that leads from our garage into our house because we were sure we heard something in the garage. Now, I was trying to protect something. uh, But I think my parents decided a little more prep time with me might be helpful before... They left me alone with my brothers, uh, my brother and our friends again. But all of these examples that I listed, even that one, there's this aspect of protecting and making sure that nothing happens, that that whatever we're supposed to watch over, we want to make sure it's in the same condition, if not better, when the people who ask us to watch it get back. When you're watching someone's house, you don't want the owners to come home to a trashed house. When you're delivering a message, you want to make sure all the details are there, that it doesn't get confused or misunderstood. When you're watching your younger brother, You don't want to play football in the hallway and break the glass family portrait hanging on the wall. So, speaking from experience, you protect and guard. The shepherds in this passage were keeping watch over their sheep. They were looking out at night, making sure that wolves and other predators weren't sneaking into the flock and killing their sheep and taking them away. But they're also watching to make sure that none of the sheep go astray that none of the sheep wander off and get lost. And so one aspect of watching is to watch out for, to watch for predators, to watch and make sure whenever, uh, whatever we're to be watching is not in trouble. It's keeping, it's sustaining, it's protecting. But in the season of Advent, there's another aspect of watching that goes along with this. Because I remember as a kid, I would watch for Santa Claus every year until I, about two years ago. Um, <laughs> Because I was really, I, I love the whole, anyways. So, um, but it was never long enough, right? I'd sit up and every night I fell asleep too early and I would wake up and next year I'd be like, I just got to stay up a little bit later, that's it. Or maybe he came earlier, I don't know. I got to try and trap him. I got to try to figure this out. Um, but I, I loved it. I loved, I was waiting with expectation or just for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house was the most fantastic place in the world there was always this like 15 foot long table piled with all kinds of different food from friends and family and there was music there were two organs and when I say organs I mean they're like these three-tiered things that have these rows of like these buttons and bass pedals they had two of those a grand piano accordions would come out and it would just be singing and fun and my grandmother would buy 
just all kinds of little knick-knack presents because she knew we'd always bring our friends. There might be people there who, so we've got to make sure everyone has a present. So she'd buy extras and everyone got something. And it was just the greatest time. And then the next day, my dad would, he'd kind of protect Christmas morning. And he'd say, Christmas morning is just for our family until like one or two, then other friends can come by. But that, that's just for us. And I loved that feeling too, that it was just us. And so I loved Christmas, and I would count it down. Any counter I had, whether it was an advent calendar or sort of that rhythm of, oh, this is the last day of school, now we're into the break. Something's happening. I'm getting more worked up and excited. All these markers kept rhythm until Christmas. I've also had the privilege of officiating a bunch of weddings for my friends and family. And, and, and weddings are fantastic. They're, they're full of life and all this stuff. But one of my favorite moments, when, when the officiant first comes out, usually the groom either comes out with the officiant or really soon after that. They're the next person out. And so if, I'm, if this is like a wedding setup and I'm standing here, the groom's going to come out and stand right here. And so I get this like close-up view of everything that's going on with the groom. And the groom is going to spend the next little bit standing here watching. And there's going to be anywhere from 2 to 20 people that as important as they are to him, they are not the person he's watching for. Yep, good to see you. Move aside. <laughs> Love you too. Move aside. You over there. Wherever you're going, I don't care. You're not the one I'm looking for. And to see the expression change when the person they're watching for shows up and they're like, oh, right, watching, watching. So whether it's children watching for Christmas spouse watching for the other. Whether it's you standing in an airport waiting for that family member you haven't seen to come down that long hallway, waiting for an acceptance letter from somebody, waiting, watching. In Advent, both of these aspects of watching are in play. When I think of keeping watch like the shepherds were, I think of uh, this conversation that Jesus has with Peter in John 21. And it goes like this. This is after the resurrection. Jesus is eating with his disciples, and he says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Sustain, nourish, protect, look out for. We can read all throughout the Bible spots where it's described how we are to care for one another. I find in these illustrations of Jesus being the shepherd and inviting us to participate in his work of doing that, some amazing things. If we look a little earlier in John, in chapter 10, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. In this, there's this sense, as Jesus says, this is what a shepherd does. He lays down his life, lays down her life for the sheep. And Jesus says, now, Peter, I task you. Take care of my sheep. Lay down your life for my sheep. There's a sense of caring and keeping watch. And in this passage, Jesus makes it really clear who his sheep are. Because the original flock is Israel. But Jesus says, I've actually got sheep that aren't from this pen. And they're going to know my voice too. And he's talking about everybody else. All of humanity. Jesus says to Peter, take care of humanity. Every single one of them that you run across, no matter what they're thinking, what they're believing, what they're doing, feed them, care for them. We're all looking out for one another. Right now in the season of Advent, we are invited to care well for all people. Tonight, we're going to be hosting an event at the church to try and look out for one another. Because we're in the midst of a very tense time in our country. We've just watched 18 months of a very intense campaign. And an election. That showed some of us that the ways we thought the system worked didn't work. Or maybe it works the way we did. But it feels off or something. And many of us, regardless of who we voted for, are feeling all kinds of things very deeply and intensely. And so we're providing a space for people to, become, to come and kindly share their experiences, share their stories. How are each of us navigating this time in our country? This is an event for absolutely everyone. Because we as a church and as the church need to be an example of how to love one another in the midst of challenges. And I would be lying if I said that everyone in this church agreed on all the political stuff that's going on. I'd just be an absolute liar. You should throw me out uh, and then invite me back in because you love me. Uh, but, um, but if you're feeling like, ah, I don't want to go to that, that's, that's okay. You don't have to go. But, but I do want to say, the, the more we stay together and talk about these things, even when it's difficult, the more the world's going to see something different. So with that too, I would ask, who do you know or know of that may be seeking a place of refuge? Or who do you know or know of that may be afraid for whatever reason? Who do you know that could just use someone to talk to? When I was working on this sermon, and let me tell you something, if you're ever working on a sermon, um, you're much safer if you do it in isolation because something always happens that challenges the very thing you're talking about or challenges you to own up to the very thing you just typed out that you're going to say. And so I was sitting in Starbucks working on this, And I saw a gentleman walk in, and he walked up to this table, and I didn't hear what he said, but the people sitting there, I heard them say, I'm sorry, we don't have any money. And so I was like, okay, what's this? And I saw him kind of walk over to the end of the line of people ordering, and this time I didn't hear, um, I heard him say, hey, I'm just trying to find something warm. I'm really cold. My hands are cold. And so I was like, okay, okay, so we can, we can get that. And I didn't hear what the person he was talking to said, but he stood there for about 15 seconds, and then he walked off. Now, the Starbucks I was in, 
I'm just going to say I was sitting this way because that's what it feels like. But there's a wall here in front of the door. So when he stepped away from the line, I couldn't see where he was going. And so I immediately was like, oh, my, he can't leave, right? We just, he just wanted something warm. So I started packing up my stuff, and I came in as I rounded this wall to see the door. About 12 feet up, there are these two easy chairs. And he was sitting in this one, and he wasn't sobbing, but he was, like, so cold. And his eyes, they were filled with, like, I don't know how eyes can hold that much tears without it just pouring out. And you could see he was terrified for whatever reason. And so I walked up to him and I said, hey, are you doing okay? He's like, I just, my fingers are so cold. I was like, okay, we'll get you something. As soon as I said that, the lady who he'd been talking to came up and had a drink. And I was like, okay, so someone got him something. And I was like... But are you okay? And we talked for a few more minutes and just, I said, God bless you. And he was like, just thank you for saying hi to me. Thank you for asking me. He said, I've been asking all day. And it was nice that you noticed. That's what we're talking about, right? People right now need someone just to notice. Are we looking out for one another? It's us living out and sharing the gospel in our words and in our deeds. But we're also invited in this time to keep watch for something else. The angels tell the shepherds that this thing has happened. The Messiah was been born. This amazing thing. Now this is to a group of people that have not heard from God for about 400 years. It's called the intertestamental period in between the Old Testament and when Jesus showed up. That there's about 400 years where the nation of Israel, these shepherds are part of that, haven't heard in their traditional ways from God. And so there's this time where they're like, ah, right? I get freaked out if I go for two weeks without hearing from Jesus. This has been 400 years. And if you really think about it, humanity has been waiting for the arrival of the Messiah ever since the fall of humanity. When it's prophesied that someone coming from Adam and Eve's lineage is going to be the one to crush evil. Since that point, humanity in Israel has been waiting for the Messiah countless years. And the angels tell us this event has happened. And they say, here's a sign for you. Now, when I'm thinking of what this sign should be, it's got to be big. right? It has to be huge, right? I want to let the whole world know that the Messiah, the one who's going to crush evil, the one that every heart, whether it knows it or not, has been waiting for. And so sit down. You're sitting, I know, but sit down and get ready for the sign. It's a little overwhelming. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a cement box. Really? I am hugely underwhelmed by that. Is this the best sign you could come up with? It seems a little lacking. It wasn't expected. This manger, this stable, this lowly state. But being able to look back on it, living in the future, I'm like, what else would we expect for the king who gave up his place in heaven to do? And it's kind of dangerous for us, this way that Jesus did this. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Frederick Buechner, says it this way. Those who believe in God can never in a way be sure of him again. Once they have seen him in a stable, they can never be sure where he will appear or to what lengths he will go or to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation he will descend in his wild pursuit of humankind. 
That's frightening for us because we're supposed to follow Jesus. It's interesting to me how many times God speaks to people in the Bible in unexpected ways, in visions and in dreams and burning bushes, all kinds of things. And for many of those people, they're not necessarily looking in those places. And so I would say their, their actual eyes like, and their systems of looking for God were kind of hard and rigid. But somehow for a lot of those people, their hearts, the things underneath were open. Because I don't know if I would go investigate a burning bush that was talking to me. I might run from it. I don't know how I would respond to those things. But Hearts are open because I think Jesus often shows up like this in unexpected ways and in unexpected places that we're not prepared for. A couple weeks ago, uh, I had an incident happen that highlighted this for me. Um, I'm assuming this is the same for all of us. Uh, I could be wrong. But uh, I absolutely hate stepping in dog poop. Okay, And I hope you do too. Uh, just absolutely hate it. There's nothing that can ruin my day in the way that can. And it was night, and I was walking our dog, and our dog was doing everything she was supposed to do, and I at the time was thinking, and I'm being a good dog owner, and I'm scooping up the poop in this bag, and i got to tie it and carry this thing home with me um, because that's fun. Um, And as I walked up our steps leading up to our porch, I realized both by smell and by noticing on my porch that not only had I stepped in dog poop, but I was tracking it all over my walkway and my porch. And now, in my mind, the only way to deal with this is by the hose, right? This idea of going and walking on the grass and doing this shuffle thing with your foot is absolutely not enough. So, you got to have a hose. And so I went around the side of our house to go get our hose, and I discovered that our hose was on. Had been on all day, probably, because some people in my house that are smaller than me, who I love dearly, were probably outside playing and just forgot to turn the hose off. And so, if I had not stepped in that dog poop, I would not have walked around the side of my house to turn off our hose, and who knows how long that hose could have ran. So all of a sudden now, I'm thankful for this pile of dog poop. And I'm thankful for the very person who I was like, this person who didn't clean up their... I was thankful for them that they didn't clean up their dog's poop. Jesus just speaks to us in any way he can, any way he has to, to get through to us. I'm hoping next time it's not through dog poop. But we have all kinds of things like this. So we learn from this voice of Advent that Jesus has not only come, but that he shows up in places and ways that we didn't expect. Now, you've heard us use this phrase several times over the last few weeks, if not longer. What's next? And it has been a way for the staff and elders and all of us to begin to explore and dream and imagine what could be next for us. And this morning I have a couple of really exciting things to share with you. Some of them we may be finding Jesus in ways we didn't expect. um, And I'm fully aware that each of these things could bring up questions. um, And they should. Um, But I'm going to also tell you we don't have all the details. So you can ask all the questions uh, and we might be able to answer them and we might not. Uh, So... But we're seeing Jesus moving, we're seeing needs, and we're sensing the Spirit asking us to move. So one of the things we've noticed as we follow Jesus into our neighborhoods and our cities is there's an increasing number of people struggling with housing and food. And we have this need that's right in front of us, very present. And we've already been working in ways, especially with individuals, as we've gotten connected with them through some of our other ministries. Uh, But we sense that God is inviting us to now do some more. We're also aware because of our schedules and our jam-packed lives, that whenever we hear someone say that anybody's inviting us to do something more, we often go, not me, 
right? I don't have any room for more. Um, and so because we have a wise and gracious God, we feel like there's some opportunities that are presented to us that take care of both of these needs. Uh, a couple of things I do want to highlight, some ways we're already doing this. Uh, we have the tutoring shoe drive that we're doing. You can find a tree down in the commons. It's got a bunch of shoe tags on it. And if you take one of those, that's going to get a pair of shoes for not just one of the kids in the tutoring program, but there are enough shoes on the tree for all the kids in those families. And so we're super excited about that. We also have another giving tree at the bottom of the stairs down here. And what that is for is it's buying uh, gifts for uh, inmates to send to their kids that don't have an opportunity to do that through Tierra Nueva. Um, And so there, there are two opportunities we already have. Something that's new, though, is that we are officially forming a more formal relationship with an organization called the Hunger Intervention Program, also known as HIP, that was started by our own Jerry Berger and his wife right here in 1998, and it's been growing ever since. Uh, Their mission is to increase food security for underserved populations in North King County through nutritional meals, education programs, and advocacy. And just to give you a little, I can't go through all the things that they do. Jerry's got a table downstairs. And I got to tell you, even that was providential because uh, Jerry didn't know when he got here this morning. Our plan was because we just got it squared up finally through some emails with the elders last night and so it's going to be we'll tell Jerry this morning and Jerry told me this morning that the Lord just put it on his heart to throw his stuff in the back of his car so we feel like all the more so Um, but um, one of the things they do is make these things called hip packs and it's a weekend food pack that's got six meals and two snacks for each child Uh, in 2013 and 14 that year they sent home over 23,000 hip packs with kids, meaning they sent out over 138,000 meals that year. And so that's a huge need that is, uh, is being got after there. They have lots of volunteer opportunities that just about everyone can go and participate in. Little kids, teens, tweens, adults, and seniors, just about everyone can participate. There are different times and places all throughout the week, daytime, nighttime. So one of the things that's great about it is um, <clears throat> maybe you've Don't have time during the traditional times that people can serve, but this one is all over the place. And so we're really excited to be partnering with HIP, and you should go down to the table downstairs and talk with Jerry. He's got more details and exciting stuff about that. So we're really excited about that. We're also excited to say, just as Rich said earlier, with the parking uh, situation, when we have everyone here on a Sunday, and especially all the kids during the worship time, which we feel it's very important to have the kids in here, we're all together uh, for, for singing, um, but we're pulling chairs out, and, and we're running out of space in our parking lot, and so we want you to know that we are thinking about what's next in terms of that. Um, and it could mean a lot of things. It could mean moving to two services. But with that, we don't know necessarily what time they would be, what arrangement they would be. It could mean that we plant a church. We don't know. It could mean that we go to two services and we plant a church. We don't know yet. But we know we're growing. We know that it's happening pretty rapidly. Uh, and so we want to let you know that there's going to be something happening in terms of that sooner rather than later. We would love to have a lot of time to say in six months we're going to do this. We want to give everybody some time to gear up for it. Um, but it might be happening sooner than later. So we're trying to figure that out in terms of what that means. It could mean that a lot of things change for us. It could mean, well, not much changes for us. So we're trying to figure that out. We would love to hear your ideas, your feedback, uh, anything you can uh, give us. Uh, in terms of that would be great. You can write that on your connection card. And that's, that's a couple of things that I can tell you for sure. One more thing I can tell you for sure. You may have heard us talking about this monthly gathering that we've been trying to start, that we started talking about way back last year in June. Um, 
And it's, it's, it's going to be here on an evening. It's designed to give us time to have more time to worship and pray together and work on some leadership development stuff. Um, and we are excited to say we're going to be launching that in January. Um, and again, it's an opportunity for anyone to come and pray who wants to. There'll be singing uh, and also uh, really short teaching and stuff. But, um, but that's not all. At this first meeting in January, which we haven't quite solidified the date yet, so we're still, because that's us. Uh, but... Um, at this meeting, uh, Rich and I recently met with the leader of our network, the Northwest uh, Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God, which is the overseeing governing body of the Assemblies of God in our area, Washington State, a little bit of Oregon and Idaho. Um, and we met with the leader of that, and he was very encouraging to us to say, you guys are really doing some awesome stuff. Your church is doing some awesome stuff, right? There's great things we're hearing about it, both from us from our elders, from other people that they know who are connected to this body, is doing some wonderful things. And he challenged us to some things. And this guy's name is Don. And Don, when he was talking to us, I felt like I literally need to buckle in. Right? I was like, I need like one of those five-point shoulder harness things. And I'm, to be honest, not a person who very often thinks about safety and security that way. So for me to say that... Um, and so on, at this January, this, this first launching of this monthly thing, we have two things that we're going to announce to you, um, and that's, it is kind of a cheap way to get you there, uh, but, um, but we feel like it's right to have the timing and stuff that way, and we're going to announce those to you, because when Don was talking to us, he was casting vision, inviting, prophesying, and just kept opening up the throttle, um, and uh, Rich and I have kind of caught the bug, um, and so we... Um, as Rich said last week, we, we are no longer content to be sitting still. And even though we have been moving in some ways, we feel like God's inviting us to be moving more. Um, so I want to give you that warning about the seat, the seat belt thing because when we share it, you might feel like I need to buckle up, right? And it's going to feel unnerving for some of us, and that's totally fine, um, but we're in it together. So um, just another thing, once that, once that momentum kind of starts... It's really hard to stop, right? I am right here now having a hard time not, I'm my daughter, my youngest daughter, she's been telling everyone, do you want to see what I got you for Christmas? No, 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 no. It's a, and I, right now I'm like, I want to say everything. Um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, so conclusion, Advent, keep watch. What does it mean? It means to look out, look out for each other and to be looking out for Jesus, do we see those who are hurting, suffering, afraid, lost, happy, joyful, celebrating, and join with them, interact and engage with them, and love them in a way that shares the gospel in both our words and deeds, and be looking out for where Jesus is at? Where is he showing up? And then go there. Um, I have a few questions that I would like you to answer. I do want to say, for the past little while, we've been getting great responses from our connection cards, and it has been super helpful for us to know how to pray and to know how to preach. And so if you would please turn those in, we would love everyone to turn those in and, and have some answers to these questions or other things you're responding to in the service. Um, the first question is, who is someone you know or know of that could use someone looking out for them? Could be a friend, could be a family member, could just be someone you're aware of. You don't have to know them personally, but who is someone that you feel like, yeah, that person could really use someone looking out for them. Second, where is one place, situation, or relationship you have recently seen God moving in the world? Again, this could be in <clears throat> your direct circles, could be something you've seen in the news, could be um, something your kids have told you, could be 
anything. But where's a place you feel like, oh, that's God moving? And third, where is one place, situation, or relationship where uh, it seems that God is not present? So where is a place where you feel like, ah, I can't see God in that space? And the follow-up to that would be to think about uh, how could you go back and re-engage with that situation, looking for God with more soft eyes and an open heart? Uh, So worship team, if you could come up, I'll pray and we'll continue uh, with a song. Dear God, I give you great thanks again for this time. I pray that we would have soft eyes to see you, to see all the ways you're moving, to see when we see someone who's being courageous, when we see someone who's being honest, when we see someone who's being direct, when we see see someone who's doing something that reminds us of you, that we would go and tell them. Even if it's someone we don't know, we don't like, doesn't believe the same thing we do, God, what if we went and told them, I just really want you to know I'm a follower of Jesus, and that reminds me of Jesus. That's what Jesus is like, what you're doing right there. God, I pray we would go out in every way looking for people who need help and looking for you, because I think those two are really closely uh, tied together. Uh, Yeah, so God, help us to have open, open eyes. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?